It is officially Super Bowl week, Damian Woody. And coming to us live from Las Vegas, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Stephen A will be here shortly. Damian Woody, I'm Molly Karam. Good morning, guys. How are we feeling? I'm well. I'm well, Molly. How are you? How's my, dog? How's my, my man Mad Dog? How you doing, bro? That's my main buddy. Yes, sir. <laughs> Damien on a Monday morning first thing. We're, we're Look flying at that here. I did see behind you. I, not bad. I did see two Northern Arizona losses by a bucket apiece, which bothered me. But now I got a five days of football with the great Molly and Damien popping in. And sooner or later, I sabotage his cameras over there. Sooner or later, we'll see Stephen A. on this Monday morning. Sooner or later. He'll be good to go in a second. His son coaches at Northern Arizona. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Pops went to check out his baby boy. We yes. love it. We know you're proud. All right, guys. Let's get, let's get into it. So the birds landed. The rematch prep is underway. Both the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs have arrived in Las Vegas. We're getting closer, folks. Let's take a look at the history here. So the Chiefs have won five of the last six meetings versus the Niners, including their win in Super Bowl 54, while nearly doubling the amount of points that San Francisco has scored in those meetings. Damian, I'll start with you. What is the biggest Super Bowl storyline for this week? You know, Molly, I like, um, you know, I, I like star power. Yeah. I like history and the opportunity for Patrick Mahomes and company to, uh, in my opinion, officially become a dynasty. They've been to, what, four Super Bowls in the yeah. last five years. They have the opportunity to do something, um, not since the New England Patriots of 03, 04, to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls. That would, again, start with now we're going to start talking about Patrick Mahomes in another stratosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, he starts separating himself. You know, we always talk about there's levels to this when we talk when we talk greatness. When Patrick Mahomes go out here and wins another Super Bowl after everything the Kansas City Chiefs yep. have gone through this season. Everyone wondered, you know, how in the world this version of the Chiefs will be able to have the success that, that, that we've been accustomed to seeing with the receivers and, you know, offensive line issues. And they've started to play their best ball at the right time. Yep. And Patrick Mahomes is the type of guy that – he doesn't lose games. I mean, if you look at him in the postseason, the guy is almost flawless in the postseason. So, for me, when I look at these type of these type of deals, and yeah, we're going to get into Brock Purdy. We'll get into, you know, other people. But I'm looking – I'm focusing on greatness. I want to see greatness. I want to see an opportunity for the Kansas City Chiefs to go out here and win back-to-back -back Super Bowls and put themselves in rarefied air. And you certainly know about greatness because you were a part of a dynasty there right. in New England, and that's who they're trying to catch here, unless they already have. Uh, Mad Dog, where are you on this? Oh, let's get this hair out of my mouth. Uh, what's the biggest storyline for Super Bowl week? It's not as sexy, and I know exactly where Damien's coming from. So if you want to argue Mahomes, go right ahead. He'll probably have other chances in the next 10, 12 years to win two. The dynasty argument, you know, as far as the definition goes, is always sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of undefinable. Some people declare dynasties, you got to win a cup in a row. Some people think, you know, two in four years. So I think that's a typical, it's a tricky definition, but I know it's not as sexy. I think Shanahan's the biggest story. Um, I don't think it's Purdy. He's too young. He just started his career. What if Purdy plays badly on Sunday? We're going to kill him. I mean, uh, you got to give Purdy a break. Shanahan's got to win the game. I mean, Shanahan's been at this an awful lot. The offensive coordinator job in Atlanta, he, they blew a 28-9 lead. He had a lot to do with that. 
championship game against the Rams. They lost that. Obviously, uh, the game against Kansas City when they blew the 20-10 lead in the fourth quarter. Had obviously Garoppolo had Sanders wide open to be able to win the game. They lost that. He's got. They did not play well in the two games that they won to get here. I think all the pressure in the world is on Shanahan. He puts and I do it. A lot of people do it. I love him as a head coach. Look what he's done with Purdy. Play calling scheme. His father. I'm a big Shanahan fan. But eventually, if I'm going to put him on this very high top five level in the NFL, he's got to win one of these games. He's a favorite in this game, which you can argue all you want, whether he should be or not. He needs to win this game. And I know it's not sexy. Who thinks the coach winning is sexy? But he needs to win a Super Bowl to solidify his career and to put him on that high level. So I think the pressure's on him. Listen, I think, I think Doggy, you know, I think Doggy has a point here when we talk about Kyle Shanahan because, you know, what, what is there for what, what, you? Could legitimately argue that Kyle Shanahan is, is a glorified offensive coordinator, right? Like he's one of the best play callers that we have in the National Football League. But the difference between the Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, Andy Reid has just done it on a totally different level. They're both excellent play callers. You could make the case that both those guys are the preeminent play callers that we have in our league right now. But the difference is Andy Reid has been able to go out there and seal the deal, win the games that he's that he's supposed to win. Whereas when we saw what we've watched Kyle Shanahan in these similar spots, he hasn't been able to seal the deal. And he's been up in some of these games that that you know these big moments. And so, doggy, I do I do like I know you say it sounds boring, but I do think that's a, that's a big big deal considering when we talk about legacy. Everyone wants to wants their how they want to be remembered. Okay, we got now we got Kyle Shanahan in another big spot in another Super Bowl. You go out here and lose this game. Well, what's the narrative of Kyle Shanahan's going to be moving forward? I think it's a big factor in the game, uh, Damien. I really do. Listen, we all know Mahomes is playing for history. We get that. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach. We get that. That dynasty argument. You can argue all the way you want. Mahomes trying to catch Brady at the end of the day. We understand that. It's about time for Shanahan. It's about time. You got to win this game, and let's see if he does it. Let me get in here, uh, Mad Dog, because we know you love to bet. We know you're a big, you're a big gambler. <laughs> you're out there in Vegas. You're probably about to go ham this weekend. We already know it. And I reached out to our researcher Drew this morning, and I was like, Drew, how much is Kansas City favored by? And then he writes back, actually, Kansas City's not favored. It's the 49ers by one and a half, which I was totally surprised. Mad Dog, do you think that's what it should be? Is that accurate? A hundred percent right, Mal. Uh, Damon, you would agree. If, if I was the bookmaker here, I'd make Kansas City a three-point favorite. Here's the way I look at the game. Would you rather have Mahomes or Purdy? You'd rather have Mahomes. Would you rather have Andy Reid or Shanahan? You'd rather have Andy Reid. So they have the better coach and the better quarterback in this game. And here's another thing that I like. They beat Buffalo on the road, and they beat the Ravens in Baltimore. San Francisco beat the Packers when love collapsed, and they beat Detroit because Dan Campbell was lost, and they won both home games. The road that Kansas City is road to get to this point is far more impressive than the, ro- than the road for the Niners. I think that plays into it, too. Uh, I already took the Chiefs. On the money line there, Molly. On the oh. money line. There we go. I took the Talk Chiefs. To me. Give it to me, baby. I gave up the points. Plus 111. 
plus 111. That okay. means if you bet $100 on the Chiefs to win, you win 111. You don't get the point and a half, but you get the money line. I had them against the Ravens. I had them against Buffalo. Damien, you would agree. Ride Mahomes until he rides you into a Ride him to the wheels I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Okay, hold that thought. We'll have more on your gambling habits in just a bit. But Stephen A. just woke up, so he was able to make the show. And he just uh, he just made <laughs> He's so mad at me right now. We know you've been sitting there the whole time when you've been up since 420 when we were on the call this morning. How are you this morning, Stephen A.? Well, first of all, there's a couple of things. A couple of things. A couple of things. First of all, I hope y'all had a wonderful weekend. Usually, since my code open was interrupted because we had technical difficulties, they told Doggy about five minutes ago I was ready to go. Why the hell he kept talking? I'm not going <laughs> to let that slide. Speak when spoken to and discipline yourself. Uh, uh, somebody needs to tell Damian Woody, Big Poppy, this ain't the Pro Bowl in Honolulu. I don't know what the hell you're wearing this like morning. But we will talk about that later. And like as an aside, and as an aside, I'm going to go away from sports for one second and saying this right here to my brother Jay-Z. That was a great speech last night. You were not Kanye West snatching some trophy from Taylor Swift and making a note you know what of yourself. You were being honored. You showed up, and during the minute, during the three-minute speech, you pointed out that the Queen Bee is all that in a bag of chips, even though we love Taylor Swift, too. Props to Jay-Z. The hell with all those haters out there. Tell them to kick rocks. Now let's start the show. I am here now. Okay. So we'll start the show. Um, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Take. We had Damian Woody, Steve <laughs> Nakes, <laughs> and Christopher you. Mad Dog Russo live. I'm Molly Karam. And um, Stephen A., I'd like to start with your biggest storyline, biggest Super Bowl storyline. It's officially Super Bowl week, and you're live from Vegas. Well, there's no question it's Kyle Shanahan. I mean, we can look at players. We can talk about Brock Purdy. We can talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. We talk about all of this other stuff. It comes down to, to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has now taken the 49ers to three straight and four of the last five NFC title games. Do y'all understand that if Kyle Shanahan doesn't win the Super Bowl this weekend, he will join Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, Bud Grant, and Chuck Knox. That's right, doggy history coming at you right now. As the only head coaches to coach in four or more conference title games without one single playoff victory. Now, he's only 44 years of age. He's got a whole bunch of football left in front of him. Kyle Shanahan is an exceptional coach. Stephen A. Smith is not here to question the greatness of this man. He's a great offensive coordinator. He was in the past. He's been a great head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. He's accomplished a lot of things. We know he runs that organization. It's not John Lynch. John Lynch answers to him. It ain't the other way around. We know what this man brings to the right. table. We know he's a brilliant offensive play caller. Nobody's throwing any shade on him. But we have to talk about closing. One of my favorite movies. Doggy, you will appreciate this. And Biggie, I know you know your movies, all right? Remember the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with Alec Baldwin? Yes. Always be closing. Always be closing. You have to close the deal. And Kyle Shanahan has yet to do that. And so when I look at him, you got CMC. 
Christian McCaffrey. You got Debo. He ready. You got Ayuk. Okay, you got Kittle. You got Shanahan calling the plays. You got a defense that's respectable enough. You got a Kansas City's offense that's been relatively suspect because Tyreek Hill ain't no longer there. They've never replaced him. And Rice and Valdez Scantlin, that ain't replacing the Cheetah, even though Travis Kelsey is still there. Pacheco is still there. In the end, what it comes down to is that the Kansas City Chiefs offense looks more vulnerable than ever. So that helps the defense of the San Francisco 49ers, albeit a little bit. But really, when you look at their offense and you look at the weapons and you look at the history, you blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, okay, when you were the offensive coordinator. You you blew a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl uh, a, a few years ago, okay, again. I'm looking at it from that standpoint yeah. against Patrick Mahomes and those boys. Kyle Shanahan, he's on the – this is him. He ain't going to lose his job or nothing like that. He's great. But this is him. He's the one under the pressure. Yeah, that's where Mad Dog was as well, and Damian Woody was going with the Chiefs potentially being a dynasty if they went back to back. Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups, sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or you just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up, power your buys, your tries the right way, or de-stress with a little cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ. Com. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. The NFL schedule drops this week. And you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. Stephen A., you said last week the news in Washington, it wasn't a big enough splash for you. Well, I've got more. So uh, last week you told you Dan Quinn is the new head coach of the Commanders, and over the weekend they hired Cliff Kingsbury as the new OC in our nation's capital. After the news broke, our guy Adam Schefter tweeting this, let the speculation begin. Cliff Kingsbury coached Caleb Williamson last season. Williamson was a standout quarterback at Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. The Commanders currently hold the number two overall pick are in striking distance of the number one pick that belongs to Chicago. 
Caleb Williams took to IG last night following the news of Kingsbury joining the commander staff saying, my dog, congrats. Stephen A., was it smart for the commanders to hire Kingsbury? That's a difficult question to answer. I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit up there and say that a former head coach in the National Football League doesn't deserve to be an offensive coordinator. And I want to say that. And, I, and, 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 and to be honest with you, I want to preface my comments by apologizing to Cliff Kingsbury. I'm really sorry that I have to get on him the way that I do because I'm not really getting on him. It's the predicaments that he finds himself in that I'm lamenting, guys. And that's not his fault. If I'm Cliff, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury and I, I'm coaching college football for six years and I don't do much, okay, I only have like two winning seasons and somebody comes along and offers me a head coaching job in the NFL, I wouldn't turn it down. If I get fired after four years in Arizona when I only make one playoff appearance and, and you know, and obviously, uh, you know, go to one playoff game or what have you and only have one season with a winning record – and then they offer me an offensive coordinator's position in the National Football League. I'm not turning that down. I get that. It's not his fault. But I am not exaggerating when I say this. Cliff Kingsbury, the now former coach for the Arizona Cardinals, I challenge anybody in football to tell me I'm wrong about this. This man is more, is more known for his relationships with quarterbacks and that fly-ass crib he had during the NFL draft when COVID was going on and we saw where he was. He's more known for that than he is for winning football games. That is a fact. There's, it cannot be disputed, okay? And so when I look at it from that perspective and we talk about things, and I'm going to go here, doggy. We talk about diversity. We certainly saw black coaches getting hired and all of that other stuff. That's not where I'm going. I'm saying from an historical perspective, we look at a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, and you know what we see as black folks? Oh, see, see, this is, what, this is the kind of stuff that don't happen for black folks. So you're in college, right? And you got a good relationship with Kyler Murray. So we got the number one overall pick. We Arizona. So we're going to hire you because you ingratiated yourself with a kid in this family, and you the right guy for the job. That works out for you with one playoff appearance in four years, okay, and one winning one season and winning record. Now we fast forward years later. Now you're the offensive coordinator. Why you get that job? Because they got the number two overall pick, and Caleb Williams is talking about, that's my dog, a puppy. Ain't thrown a damn pass in the National Football League yet. Okay, wet, wet, great, incredible talent, but breath smelling like Similac, wet behind the ears, ain't throw a damn pass in the NFL, but he vouching. Oh, that's my dog. That's my dog right there. And you get the offensive coordinator's job. It doesn't seem to me like there are bona fide football reasons as to why Cliff Kingsbury is the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. You couldn't produce but so much in college. You damn sure didn't do it in the pros, but somehow, some way, job opportunities come your way. As the great Don King once said, only in America, baby. Only in America. <laughs> In Vegas, that's the right. First off, I hated the Dan Quinn hire. 
Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about that last week. I mean, they had a defensive coordinator. What, did they miss the Dallas game against Green Bay? The, the Super Bowl against the Patriots? I did not like that hire. But I disagree with Steve on the Kingsbury thing. He did a very good job with Murray. He coached Mahomes at Texas Tech. Obviously, with Lincoln Raleigh, Khalid Williams played, had a big-time year. Uh, I, I can't kill them. The offensive coordinator is the third most important job now on a football team outside of the quarterback, the head coach. You need a good offensive coordinator to work with the QB. He knows how to work with quarterbacks. Look at the track record. I mean, do I love him as a head coach? Steve's 100% right. I don't. You know, we killed him for a couple years ago when I first started here, and Steve was all over, and he was right. But this is a little different. All he's got to do is organize himself with the, with the quarterback. He's a pretty, he knows how to call plays. Murray did have a good year for him. He knows Khalid Williams. He had Mahomes at Texas Tech, for crying out loud. That's pretty good right out of the gate. Now, the one thing I will say about the Khalid Williams thing, Washington doesn't have the number one pick. And I'm not sure if Washington's going to go up there and give up a million ingredients to make that trade with the Bears to get it. They might get beat. So Williams makes it sound like it's a known deal. He's going to D.C. No, it's not. Because who knows where Williams is going right now. He's going to be the top player pick. And there might be another team that trades up to get him and Washington doesn't want to match. So his tweet, well, good for him. Who cares? They don't got the number one pick. So it doesn't make any difference what Williams thinks. But the overall theme, I, I disagree with Steve. The overall, Steve's making it sound like he got the head coaching job. No, he didn't. He got the offensive coordinator's job. And he knows offense. And he's done well with quarterbacks. And that is the most important thing with these guys getting jobs. You need to work with a young quarterback, and he does well there. So I'm okay with what Washington did. Damien, let me hear. Yeah, listen, I think that I think that Cliff Kingsbury has been more of a guy that's been, been around these guys and actually developing these guys. You know, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he brought him, brought him into, tech, into Texas Tech, but obviously we've seen how Patrick Mahomes flourished um, being in the National Football League. He was around Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield just now starting to flourish here in the National Football League. Okay, we've seen him with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has had, you know, up and down. He had up and down success with Cliff Kingsbury. And so this move to go to the Washington Commanders, obviously you can, you can read the tea leaves here. Caleb Williams is from the, the, the Washington, D.C. area. Cliff Kingsbury, Costa May, USC. So everyone's going to follow, follow that, you know, follow that situation there. But listen, there's no, there's no guarantee here. Like the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears right now could be sitting back and saying, this guy's a generational, Caleb Williams is a generational guy. We're going to just pick him. And then, you know, with the, with the Washington Commanders, with, with Cliff Kingsbury, where do you go from there? You know, do you go – they're probably going to draft one of these other quarterbacks here. But I don't – I haven't seen him develop guys. I've seen him be associated with guys, but I haven't seen him develop guys and, and have guys that are bona fide quarterbacks right now in the National Football League. So, for me, that's the biggest question as relates to Cliff Kingsbury. Uh let me see you develop somebody first before we start showering accolades on top of you. Well, well, well first of all, it touches my heart that you just said that because that's what my point was. Doggy act like the dude is accomplished. Accomplished what? You know what Cliff Kingsbury has accomplished? The brother knows how to smooth. 
He knows how to smooth, and he damn sure knows how to pick fly cribs. That's what he has established. But in terms of football, excuse me, I'm still waiting. And by the way, let me get, because I got the numbers up here, doggy, because I know you appreciate that, right? In his four years in, um, in uh, Arizona, from 2019 through 2022, his offense ranked 16th, 13th, 11th, and then his last year there in 2022, it ranked 21st. In yards, it ranked 22nd. I mean, that ain't exactly something to write home about. That's number one. Number two, doggy, explain this to me, Damien, as well. Here's the deal, Woody. You said developing, right? And we would look for him to develop, right? Well, doggy, what is he known for developing? Assuming we going to give him credit for that. It's the quarterback. What's wrong with him being a quarterback coach? What's wrong with him being the player development? Why he got to be an offensive coordinator? I mean, how the hell do you leapfrog? You in college football. You, you know what I'm talking about, doggy. You, Nick Saban, he's retired now. We know about Kirby Smart, right? We know about Brian Kelly, right? We know about Dabo Sweeney, right? We know about a whole bunch of these brothers. We certainly know about Lincoln Riley, right? We know about a few. Damn it, we know about Chip Kelly. We know about Chip Kelly because before he got the Eagles job, he was in Oregon kicking tail. All right, busting everybody's up. Then comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, nose dots, then goes over to UCLA, then does a relatively decent job, depending on who you ask. My point is, we never mentioned Cliff Kingsbury. All we ever knew about him, he had a good relationship with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, he had a good relationship with Patrick uh, with Kyler Murray. What the hell is he doing? Taking them to Maestros or catch or something? You know, smooth it. What is he doing? Because when we see him on a football field, when he's with them, they don't accomplish much. And I love Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray could ball. If anything, I think Kingsbury held him back. So all I'm saying is, when we look at it from that perspective, how do you go from being in college football where you accomplished virtually nothing to getting a head coaching job and somehow that's justification for him to be an offensive coordinator bypassing a whole bunch of people that, can, that, that that's been in the NFL doing a hell of a lot more than he did. I don't know how you can make that argument, doggy. I really don't. Well. How in the world did he use last year with Kingsbury, with Murray? He tore his ACL for crying out loud. And that's the statistics you're giving me. What that kid was out all year with an ACL? Jeez, come on. You're better better than that. You're better than that. He tore his ACL, so you're going to give me a statistic. You're the one with the emotion. What you getting upset for? I gave you facts. Did I say something factually incorrect, Woody? Did I? You the football analyst. You the two-time Super Bowl champion. This man, Doggy, is right here. I know y'all got y'all little. Doggy just is smooth with all of the contributors to the show. Everybody on the show, from Molly to you to RC to Swagoo, hugging and kissing everybody. That don't work with me. I gave you facts. I gave you First facts, Doggy. What's up? Is there, is there something right. factually I, I don't incorrect to, I, that yes, I said about Cliff Kingsbury? With your statement, but I, I have, I'm told I have to go, so I can't address it right now, even though I'd like to. Here's our trivia question today in honor of Black History Month. Who famously said we had to be seen because we couldn't be heard? That answer after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Have you ridden an electric bike yet? Well, you need to check out electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to more exploring time outside on their bikes. So they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range for up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is always a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by categories like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day's May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Thanks so much for listening to the pod and have a fabulous day. Here's the answer to that trivia question. Tommy Smith famously said we had to be seen because we couldn't be heard when speaking on his and John Carlos peaceful protest at the 1968 Olympics. Reigning MVP Joel Embiid will undergo surgery to address a lateral meniscus injury in his left knee. The team announced Sunday Embiid's recovery timeline has yet to be determined, but he is expected to be sidelined for a considerable period. Embiid diagnosed with the meniscus injury after Jonathan Kaminga landed on his leg during a fight for a loose ball during the Sixers' loss to the Golden State Warriors. That was on January 30th. Embiid has been nearly unstoppable this season, averaging a league-high 35 points, three points per game over 11 rebounds uh, per game, and nearly six assists per game. He's on pace to join Wilt Chamberlain in 63-64 as the only players to average 35 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists in a season in NBA history. Brian Windhorst joining us now. Windy, great to see you, sir. I will get to you shortly, but Mad Dog, I'm going to start with you. Is the Sixers season over with the news of Embiid? Yeah, they are not winning a championship, so if the definition of title 
or a bust, yes, I didn't think they're going to win a championship anyway, but now they're going to be a lower seed. They're not going to be a top three seed because they're going to miss him, I'm assuming. Steve would know more than me. So with Brian, I would assume he's going to miss, what, 20, 25 games minimum, maybe the rest of the regular season. And then they're going to plug him back in the lineup when they're the sixth seed to go navigate all these tough teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't see it. Plus, they're going to learn how to play one way without him, try to be effective, get the amount of wins and then plug him back in and see if he can go out there and sort of fit in and they got to rearrange the way they play. I saw that happen with Magic Johnson 40 years ago and they came back and lost the Rockets and the great Malone in a first round playoff series. So I think this is a terrible blow for Philadelphia. I'm assuming it's going to be lengthy and then you're going to have to work him back in shape. He's going to be rusty. This is a mess. There will not be a championship parade uh, down or whatever that street is called in Philadelphia uh, in uh, June. They are not winning the NBA championship. Simple as that. What a New Yorker. It's Broad Street, Mad Dog, Broad Street. Um, it's Broad, Broad, Broad Street. Street. Broad, Broad <laughs> I should have known that. Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, uh, Take it easy. Take it easy. Wendy, he's not, he's not even a New Yorker. He's Mr. <laughs> Connecticut. He just shows up to New York for work. Yeah, that's right. Veal Parm up in Connecticut. All right, so this is a loss for the NBA because Joel Embiid's playing a level of offensive basketball that I've never seen in my career, and it's an indication of how hard he's worked on his game. So that's one thing. It's a loss for the Sixers and it's a loss for the NBA. Secondly, from what I understand and what I have been told, the Sixers really don't 100% know exactly what's going to happen coming out of this surgery. Um, meniscus injuries are, are delicate. I am certainly not an orthopedist, but from what I have been told and understand, the surgery will happen or is scheduled to happen tomorrow, and they will find out if they can repair the meniscus or have to remove part of it. He could potentially be looking at six eight weeks, or he could be looking at the end of the season. I'm sure the best orthopedists in the country have reviewed the MRI and they have a good idea, but that's important to know because I would almost argue that what happens from this Embiid surgery could be one of the most important things in this trade deadline week, and that's because the Sixers are a team that have a lot of options. They have three tradable first-round picks. They have over $100 million in expiring contracts, and they have a belief that they, with Joel Embiid healthy, that they can compete. They would be an underdog against um, against Boston right now, but Milwaukee is fading. So I would just say that, like, depending on how this comes out of the surgery, does Philly make, you know, try to go to acquire a center who can be a stopgap fill-in, or do they sit on their salary cap space? Because Stephen A., the Sixers, if they wanted to, could just sort of stand pat, try to play out the season, do the best they can. Then they'd have over $50 million in cap space to go into the market this summer and improve to be ready for an Embiid return. But if they feel like he could come back, they could make stopgap moves where they could hold maybe their seat a little bit higher than that six doggy. They could maybe get in that top four. So when he comes back, they got a better chance. Here's the deal, y'all. <clears throat> First of all, let's understand something. None of us had Philadelphia winning the championship any damn way. So let's get that out the way first. We didn't have them winning the championship. Some people picked Milwaukee. Some people, obviously, most people picked Denver. Uh, somebody like me picked Boston. Okay, we got that out the way. Secondly, when you talk about Joel Embiid, this brother's on another level. He is something spectacular. He truly, truly is. And, Doggy, I got news for you. His offensive repertoire is so pure, so sensational. All I care about is that his legs are healthy. If that means that man got to sit out every game for the rest of the regular season, Joel Embiid, rusty, 
on the basketball court can average 30 a night for you. He's that sensational. We got to get that out the way. Now we got to take into account, doggy, the Eastern Conference. I still believe in Boston because I'm a huge Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown fan. I don't want to see them jacking up 45 threes a game. I've lo- I'm losing more and more faith in Milwaukee by the day because they just can't seem to get it together. They just seem like a shell of themselves. My God, the loss of Budenholzer just seems to just have ravaged them, okay? They just don't they, they don't even seem to be together organizationally, let alone on the basketball court, okay? Then we look at Miami. We see how they've nosedived as of recently, okay, with their losing streak. They lost again last night to the Los Angeles Clippers. No, sh- no shame in that because the Clippers are an elite team. But we see that Miami doesn't look like themselves. So I'm saying if you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, even though they will struggle and they will suffer without the presence of Embiid, if you can find yourself in the playoffs and a rusty but healthy Embiid comes back, oh, I think they could still make it interesting. And by the way, Nick Nurse can coach. Here's the problem. I think if the Philadelphia 76ers don't make a deal before the deadline, Embiid may shut it down for the season. And when it comes to Embiid, he's a guy you cannot take tomorrow for granted. He gets drafted in the league number three overall. He misses his first two years. He's been hurt every single year. Getting him to play 60 games is a challenge. Getting him to be healthy in the playoffs is a challenge. And so for me, You can't sit up there and look at him and say, okay, we got the next year and the year after the year. No, not with him. You got to take every little crumb you can along the way. And if that means modifying your roster to some degree to elevate his level of faith, that would coax him into being ready for the postseason. If I'm the Sixers, I say you do it. Because I can't assume he's going to be ready next year. He's just not built that way. All right. Yeah. Well, first off, all you guys, all you guys overrate Embiid from a historical perspective. When you are a center, no, we don't. You get you get evaluated by championships. That's what you get evaluated by. Kareem, Will, that's not true. Jokic, that's not true. Oh, yes, it is. Shaq. That's what centers get evaluated. I don't evaluate a center by getting to a conference final, which he's never done, by the way. I evaluate centers by rings. Ewing didn't win one. Elijah won did it. Always hurts Ewing. Malone won. Shaq no, no, won. That's Kareem the won. Wilt won. That, Jokic won. That's the that's immortal what championships are about. I, I agree with you. That's for the, not. For, for one when champion- you bring in your cat. Hold on. Listen. Listen. I br- agree with you when you bring in immortal status. I got that. But I am saying to you, there have been great big men throughout history before they won championships. We said you got to win the chip. But we still acknowledge their greatness. A Patrick Ewan was a perfect example of that. Olajuwon before Jordan retired and he won back-to-back was an example of that. David Robinson before Tim Duncan came along was an example of that. You do have situations where you look at big men and you say, for the purposes of a doggy, Mad Dog Russo's of the world, you got to win the chip. For immortal status. But it doesn't mean we ignore their greatness. We haven't bloated. We haven't buffered or bloated about, you know, just, just going off about Embiid in terms of championships. But from a talent perspective, watching this brother play. Yep. There's no question. 
He's one of the greatest talents as a big man in the history of basketball. Now you got to now if you don't hey. see that doggy, grab your damn glasses, go to your ophthalmologist, tell them to uh, to to, to, to you rearrange your damn prescription and oh, get it God. together because the Embiid, Embiid well, is ask. special. Embiid is special. Well, how come? Well, how come two years ago he, he lost to Miami in his second line in six games? How about last like year, game year seven in okay. we forget about the game? What does that mean? Go ahead, Wendy. Go ahead, Wendy. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. If, you're, Go, if you're an all-time great, you don't lose those games. That's what doggy, it means. I will give you this, Doggy. His playoff record is not exemplary, and that is a fair thing to say. His career is not over, but I will also say he has basically dealt with injuries almost every playoffs. Broken faces, messed up knees. Yes. It's been his career story, unfortunately. Yep. Back. All right, we had big back everything and came into the league with a, with a foot injury at MSG. That's the transition, Stephen A. The Lakers had their stars out Saturday night in primetime at the Garden. LeBron put a show on in the Mecca per usual, leading his team to a win over the New York Knicks. The Knicks, however, they put up a fight. Jalen Brunson dropping 36, but were without Julius Randle, OJ Anobi, and a bunch of other guys. But it wasn't enough. So, uh, Stephen A., we heard you were dreaming for the king in orange and blue, but Rich Paul said no dice, telling our guy Wendy LeBron won't be traded and we aren't asking to be. Paul said this in reaction to some growing speculation about James's future ahead of, of course, next week's the trade deadline. Okay, I'll start with you, Stephen A. Should okay. LeBron ever leave let me LA? Tell so yeah, but let me say this. Okay. <clears throat> and I could say this. I really hate saying this over national TV because he doesn't deserve it. But to know Rich Paul is to love him. I mean, I love the guy. I really, really do. He get on my damn nerves. When do you know that? He gets on my damn nerves. You know what I said? So he thinks he's a Watching you, you, you guys interact, is, uh, you could sell but, admission but, but to watching you but, two but guys I, interact. But, but I love him. I, I love him to death. I really, I really do. I love him to death. But I don't like his ass. And I'm going to tell you why. Doggy, Wendy, Molly, especially you. Let me tell you what this dude would. Rich Paul is out of control. Why? One minute. He's sitting up there lecturing me on the game of basketball. Always in favor of LeBron, by the way. Always, always, right? Another minute, he's walking in the middle of my podcast while I'm taping it in Las Vegas and just taking over the damn show, okay? Another minute, he's coming on first take, and then after he leaves first take, he goes out and he schmoozes with my sister Carmen. You think she's got meals for you, doggy? You think she's got stuff for you, Molly? I mean, my God. I mean, this dude, I, I, Carmen, what? What does Rich want? What does Rich want? He just, oh, he gets, oh, he really gets on my nerves with this stuff. But having said all of that, okay, he can't get around this reality. Mr. Clutch Sports, listen up, because he's watching right now. I can assure you of that. Mr. Clutch Sports, I know that LeBron is not leaving L.A. I mean, how good is I mean, Southern California, baby. I understand. I truly, truly do. But here's the deal. If he wants a better shot at a championship, I would say it is something he strongly should consider. Now, Woj and Wendy earlier last week have both reminded me of something I already knew, that obviously because of salary cap issues and what have you, in order for the Knicks to get him, Julius Randle would have to be out. And I don't want to lose that workhorse that is Julius Randle. But when I think about the Garden, the Mecca, 
New York City. You understand? And I'm thinking about what I'm seeing from Jalen Brunson. And let me not give, fail to give love to Dante DiVincenzo, the Wildcat backcourt. And I'm seeing what I'm seeing with OG Ananobi and being the number one ranked defense and defensive efficiency. I'm loving what I'm seeing here. And the only thing that's missing, only thing that's missing from the New York Knicks right now is a star. A superstar. We got a star in Jalen Brunson. I'm talking about a superstar. See, our definition of a superstar, and you'll appreciate this, doggy, is Patrick Ewing. That's the best we've had. Melo was beyond, you know, approaching past his prime, and plus LeBron was in Miami with D-Wade. Okay? And Jalen Brunson right now, here's all you need to know. It's the greatest point guard we've had in New York since Walt Clyde Frazier. That is a fact. And that's throwing the great Stephon Marbury into consideration who averaged 20 and 8 in his career. Jalen Brunson is the best point guard New York has had since Walt Clyde Frazier in 1973. So I'm saying the Mecca, New York, Gotham City, they got four first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year, 11 first-round picks to play with over the next seven years, and who's the franchise in desperate need of draft capital? It would be the Los Angeles Lakers. I know it's not going to happen, but damn it, if I'm Leon Rose, World Wide West, uh, the Gershon Rojas, and the, who knows who the hell else, I guess what? I'm making a call to Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss. And by the way, to the New York Knicks, if you need help, I'm offering my services for free. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I would love for King James to be in New York City. I would love it. I would Stephen love it. Stephen A., the, the Knicks aren't desperate. That's why you were there in your orange and blue suit the other night that you've been saving for Damn God knows how many years. <laughs> All right. Okay, when it comes to LeBron, there's something I know, there's something I believe, and there's something I don't know. What I know is LeBron's playing for $50 million next year. And he, you know, he's got an option in his contract with the Lakers for $51 million. Anybody who's out there dreaming that he's going to opt out of that contract and come to you for something less than that, I just don't, I don't think so. I know he's playing for $50 million. Two, I believe it's going to be with the Lakers because LeBron wants to be a Laker. He wanted to be in L.A. When he left Cleveland in 2018, he had definite better options of places where he could go and win more championships. He wanted to be in L.A. He came here. He won one. His children are still in school here. His son Bryce will be a senior in high school next year. I believe LeBron's going to be in L.A. What I don't know is how Bronny figures in all of that. And whether or not the desire to play with Bronny or if Bronny will be ready to enter the league or what that will happen could affect and whether LeBron could use his option as a leveraging point either to force somebody to draft him, whether that's the Lakers or somebody else, or force a trade or something like that. I don't know. But those are the things I would say. I would say the most interesting thing that happened for the Knicks that involved Rich Paul in the last few days was the meeting that he had with Leon Rose on Friday. This, while everybody was focusing on LeBron and his social media stuff and wearing the Knicks towel, which was grade A LeBron passive-aggressive stuff, grade A wearing the Knicks towel, yeah, walking off the court at MSG. What he does. Perfect. Uh, but Rich Paul and Leon Rose, is, as far as I know, had not spoken at any length since Leon became the president of the Knicks. I'm not even sure they'd even sat at the same table in the last decade, but definitely had had no interactions. And on Friday, while Rich was in New York with LeBron for that big game, they met. 
And I don't know what was said at the meeting, but I do know that it was a major step forward in chilling the ice between Clutch Sports and their stable of tremendous stars. Yes, LeBron is one of them. And future stars that they will have. And the Knicks. The Knicks and Clutch Sports have been like this for as long as Leon has been there. So what that is an indication of is that the Knicks know that they're going to have to potentially do business with Clutch Sports and the Clutch Sports clients and Rich Paul is the CEO. No, they're going to have to do business with the Knicks because the Knicks are a serious team now. They're a serious team, not just for this week's trade deadline, but going forward. And when it comes to LeBron, there's a bilateral negotiation happening right now. The Lakers are negotiating with teams for, for uh, trades, and LeBron is negotiating with the Lakers, trying to force them into giving up everything they can to improve their team. Well, I got a few things to say about LeBron. First off, I get the average fan gets so tired of the LeBron drama. We're reading the hourglass thing that he posted on the emoji. I mean, come on, huh, please? You've been on a million teams. And go look at all the great players in the history of the league. They all play for the same team. Russell played for the same team. Bird played for the same team. Jordan played for the same team. Magic played for the same team. They all played for the same team. He's been on Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland, and the Lakers. Now he wants to go play for a fifth team? I mean, another, I think that hurts his legacy. That's number one. Number two, how could the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis be a 500 basketball team? That's a good Can point. somebody explain? You know, they're going to be in a play-in. They're going to be in a play-in again. They're not going to be the sixth seed. They're four games back at Phoenix. They are going to be in a play-in. This is a team that last week lost the Rockets with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the team. That is, those are two top ten. Obviously, LeBron, one of the all-time greats. Two of the top ten players still now in the NBA. And he loses to the freaking Rockets. And then Atlanta. I know Davis didn't play against that. That's ridiculous that they are 26 and 25. That's number two. And number three, I know Stevie now is all revved up on the Knicks. Has he seen Julius Randle be in a playoff scenario? He stinks in the postseason. Atlanta killed him two years. Watch him out. Miami last year buried <laughs> Randle. They had Knicks fans calling me left and right. Watch him him off the team. Brunson, he's 100% right. I love Brunson. Now, Steve's making it sound like that the Knicks have had 10 Bob Cousy since Walt Frazier. The Knicks haven't had a point guard near Michael Ray Richardson for a year. So the idea now that we're supposed to jump through hoops because Jalen, they haven't had anybody. That dog. So anybody would be good. And the last thing. Last thing. Let me hit the top. They are not a championship team.